1: or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. My name is Sif and I'm your host. If you're new here, I am so thrilled you've tuned in and hopefully you love the first episode you hear from me. So this week's guest is Ilana Molstein. And I started following Ilana when I found her on TikTok and she was making all these incredible recipes. They were like really yummy vegetable forward hacks to your favorite foods. So, you know, that TikTok pasta trend that like went viral, that feta and tomato situation, she made it with spaghetti squash. And I thought it was just so, so smart. So I knew that I had to have her on. And then I read her book, which is called you can drop it. And, you know, I think that there, we live in this world where weight loss and just Weight in general is, it just divides people so much. And I feel like having someone like Ilana, who is such a wonderful source and honestly her method is rooted in nutrition and so balanced, is really, really important. So, that being said, of course, you know, if you're dealing with an eating disorder or have any emotional work to do around food. This is probably an episode that you should skip, but for anyone else who's just interested in nutrition and looking to educate themselves in this area, this is a really really valuable episode. There's so many good tips, guys, so so many. Like I I'm really excited for this one, honestly. Like she is an open book. She there's just so much you can learn from her. And you know what? Go follow her on TikTok. You will get hundreds of recipe ideas. So in today's episode, we get into how she lost a hundred pounds and, you know, has kept it off really sustainably. Like her methods are super healthy and I love it. She's obsessed with vegetables just like me. Um, We talk about the four pillars of nutrition that she has, food hacks. It's a packed episode, which I know you guys will love. Before we get into it, a couple of things. First and foremost, this week's hot tip, which we will get into in today's episode with Ilana as well. But I got to call out cloud bread, guys. So if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me make this almost every day because I do make it every day. But it's basically this, this cloud bread thing is something I learned from Ilana. It is essentially egg whites, which... She whips with arrowroot flour. I actually put in a teaspoon of Ingrid Delamar Kenny's inulin powder to make it more high fiber. And I add a little bit of vanilla powder, organic vanilla powder, and stick it in the oven. I bake it for 23 minutes. It comes out. It's this like fluffy protein filled crepe. And then I top it. Wait for this. Okay. I top it with Nut butter. I use almond or an almond hazelnut mix. I put the beekeepers naturals cacao honey and then some chocolate chips and I fold it up and the chocolate chips melt and it's the most phenomenal thing I've ever eaten. Like it's now I want to go make some right now. But <laughs> this is my hot tip of the week. If you haven't tried it yet, go try it. It's so good. You're gonna find the recipe on Alana's page. But essentially I sub out the arrowroot flour for inulin, just more high fiber, and it's absolutely delicious. Before we get into the show, the episode, the other thing I wanted to get into is this week's review. And it comes from Carolyn who says, one of my favorite podcasts on living a full life. Sifat is amazing and super inspiring. I love this podcast for of course, its business tips and insights, but also for its amazing episodes that focus on health and well-being. Sifat is super organized and a thoughtful interviewer and has great guests. Highly recommend. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for leaving this review. Things like this really make my day and reviews go such a long way. So something I'm doing right now is actually a giveaway. I am giving away, well, initially it was two beauty boxes, which were $500 each, but now I've expanded that to five beauty boxes, which are $500 each. And each of these boxes contain everything from YSL eyeshadow to insane hair care and skincare and basically everything you need. So in order to enter to win, leave me a review, rate the podcast, review it. All you have to do is literally just scroll down to the bottom of your Apple podcast app and rate and review the podcast. Follow me on Instagram. Tell me what you love about the show. Just let me know that you left a review. And honestly, like I would be so appreciative. Reviews are awesome because they just help me understand what you love about the show, what I can bring you more of. And just helps get the show out in front of other people. And it's always something I'm grateful for. So I hope that I can reward you for leaving a review with one of these beauty boxes. And yeah, so let's dive in and say hi to Ilana Molstein. So the first question I always love to ask my guests since this is the Dream Bigger podcast, what was your big dream when you were growing up?
0: Ah, oh, great question. My big dream, honestly, I... My weight was something that was really like something that con- that consumed me, and I wanted. I loved fashion, but no clothes fit me. Oh. And it's so interesting hearing like body positivity models and like plus size models and body positivity advocates and talking about how you know Zara doesn't have enough plus sizes and this brand is getting it better and all these things. And it fascinates me because. I had none of it. Oh, my like, God, none. You know, now it's so interesting, like, hearing plus-size women who I, I can relate to. Uh, you know, I I just had a baby. Like, you know, I, I get it. Like, say that, you know, this brand needs to do better and this brand needs to do better. Like, there was nothing doing better. And it just didn't even exist. The whole category didn't exist. So um, I think it's great that it's existing. But I loved fashion, but I was morbidly obese. I was had to shop in Gap Adults when I was six, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, like, awful. I'll never forget, like, one time I got, like, an extra large sweater in Gap Kids, and it had this pink heart in the center of it. And I wore it to school, and it was the same day another, you know, slim girl wore it to school, and everyone said, like, wow, it's so funny. The heart on your sweater is, like, four times as big as hers. So I loved fashion, and I secretly always wanted to be a fashion designer, I've never actually said this, I think, on any public forum. But um, again, like, I was in the worst clothes just because nothing fit. I even, uh, when I was a size 20, the only place that had, like, real big sizes was Hot Topic, which is, like, very goth and not me at all. I'm, like, girly and peppy. But I had to shop and, like, you know, wear, like, Osborne T-shirts and all these things, (laughs) which it just wasn't me, but because that was the only thing that fit. Um, Because my I really didn't want to go to Lane Bryant, which is— where those sizes only existed, mm-hmm. I remember I just, like, was hysterical crying. I'm 11 years old, and Lane Bryant was bad. So um, I was always in clothes I didn't want to be in, and then I would secretly sketch fashion designs Aww. in a notebook and, like, you know, beautiful models. And my maiden name is Fishoff, so I was Ilana Fishoff IF, which is IF. That was your
1: dream. That was my dream.
0: I wanted to be able to wear clothes. That's, I wanted to be able to wear dresses.
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of come— almost full circle because like that's been your mission to like get people healthy. And so what happened? Like what what kind of allowed you to lose that weight and go from morbidly obese to where you are today?
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was a huge emotional eater before I knew that that was a thing or yeah. a term or anything. But my parents, our childhood was really chaotic. My sister to this day says we were raised by wolves. I'll give my parents a little more credit. Um, it, <laughs> you know, we all have different perspectives at your age you grew up. Uh, but it was just a little chaotic. I mean, a, a little is a, a nice way of saying it. My parents got divorced when I was like maybe three or four years old. Yeah. And then we were living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So they were really living like the sex in the city lifestyle. They were dating. They were getting married to people. They were divorcing those people. So I have... So Step stepbrothers and sisters who are now ex-stepbrothers and sisters. So it was a lot of like moving in, moving out. I lived in, I mean, like every four blocks on the Upper West Side, I lived on 71st, 75th, 78th, 84th, like 86. Oh like eight. when people say they're like from a certain block on the Upper West Side, I'm like, where? Like I was there, I was at 96. So um, it was just chaotic. It was a lot of moving. It was really disorganized, just unstable. So food was my... Stability, like, And we were very much a foodie family. Everything we spoke about was always around food. Basically, my parents sent me to weight loss camp when I was eight years old, quote unquote, fat camp. Uh, My doctor forced it upon me. I'll never forget the pediatrician appointment. To this day, when I take my kids to the pediatrician and they, you know, thankfully say, looking good, I, like, cry inside because pediatrician appointments for me were nightmares. Like, you're off the charts. You're 120th percentile. Like, all that stuff. So my doctor sent me to, quote, unquote, fat camp as as an 8-year-old. And I lost weight in the summer. But then I just came back and did everything all all over again. My parents just kept looking at it as a Band-Aid. If she goes to, like, fat camp, then we don't have to change anything we do during the year. But you can gain a lot more in 10 months than you can lose in two. So I would lose… 25 30 pounds in the summer and then gain 35 40 pounds in the school year i'd lose 20 gain 40 lose 20 gain 40 and i just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it was always by like hanukkah (laughs) like literally by you know january 1 i had already gained back like half of it and then I would just keep going. What was the camp even like? Like, what do you have to do there? Okay, so you weigh in and you measure. You take before and after pictures. I always told my friends, because I didn't want to tell them I was at a fat camp, I would tell them (laughs) I'm at a sports camp. Yeah. Because I'd come back better at sports, (laughs) because it was a lot of that. Uh, So you basically, it was kind of like a, a regular camp, but our dining hall Uh, it was like a line. You got a set portion of food, you got a tray, and there were no seconds. And so the line was really long because there was no like family style anything. You know, like everyone, we just had to wait on these long lines. Um, And then- one of the funny things about this camp that is, like, they're known for is they have this massive hill we used to call the Hill of Death, and the cafeteria is at the bottom of the hill. So oh, you, like, run down this complete vertical line um down this insane hill where, like, you can't even control your feet. Like, it's, it's such so steep. And then you have to walk up it after breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
1: <laughs> oh, my. That's like a hike It's crazy.
0: On visiting day, like, a lot of the kids are, like, make their parents do it just so you can see what I'm doing three times a day. It's insane.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's nuts. So
1: you'd do that, you'd lose the (laughs) weight and then you'd gain it all back.
0: And then yeah, and I I took some hacks from camp because the problem is I kept getting it all back because what they did and I you know, I won't you know, diss them in any way. I'm sure it's changed. It's been like twenty-five years since I've been there. But also the there were dietitians there who were also advising on the food guide pyramid at the time, which was a disaster, like eight to eleven slices of bread, which if they were going by those guidelines worked because we were athletes, we were working out twenty hours a day. So um, but I couldn't sustain because I wasn't exercising during the school year like that. And also what they would do is like they'd give us pizza and it would just be a small slice, right? It would be like a small square of pizza that I'm sure they used a lighter ingredient to. But we were still eating pizza. We were still eating mac and cheese or whatever it was because they wanted to appeal to young kids. Like, yeah. it's what they had to do. But then I would just go home and eat pizza because I was eating pizza there. I could eat pizza here. But instead of this square, it was now half a pie. So nothing like kind of held. And my parents weren't like trying to make it hold. Mm-hmm. So, so the, I, I love you parents, but it just, that's the case. So, and they get it. Eventually, after this hamster wheel of losing weight and gaining weight and losing weight and gaining weight, I remember I was going into high school and my parents were like, Well, you're definitely going this year, you know, like you're going to high school. I was at my absolute highest weight. I was 215 pounds and I was 13.
1: Oh my God. Yeah, it okay. was
0: and I was wearing a size 20. And it's really interesting because I keep hearing more and more podcasts and, and people talk about, you know, we need up to size 30, and size 30 is not enough. You should have size 32. And it's like. For me, size 20 was only something you can get online. You couldn't get it in stores. Yeah. It was the start of online shopping. And I it was only gap.com and old com that had to size 20. So I would like stick to gap and old navy to get like a denim skirt or something. And a part of my pain point was knowing that it didn't go past there. Mm-hmm. So I'll, it's really interesting my psyche now being on in this place of where our society is going. But so I knew I was at like the end of the clothing line and I knew I was going into high school and I know I had been there for like seven, eight years and blaming my genetics and blaming my parents and blaming the world. And I remember I was just in camp that summer, like doing mountain climbers or something and because it was like aerobics and soccer, like that was their whole day. And I remember just looking down at my stomach, like jumping up in the air and just thinking like this isn't going anywhere unless I do. And it was just like this pivotal moment that I'll never forget. And I know exactly where I was, where I just kind of looked down at my body, like from, you know, shoulders to ankles. And I was like, this is it. This is my real estate. And that's when I came up with this line that I still say all the time, which is you only get one body, you might as well make it rock. Because at that point, I had lived in 20 homes. You know, I I had gone through so much chaos. I'd seen my body change in a trillion different ways on top of puberty. Mm -hmm. And then I just looked at my skin. I'm like... No one's doing this for you. You're not waking up one day and just being like the models that you're coloring in your fashion sketchbook. Like, this is it. So you have to take ownership and actually do something with it if you want it to look and feel different. Yeah. And I did. Hey, it's Patrick Starr. I'm coming straight to you with my very own podcast, Say Yes to the Guest. I'll be hanging out with some of my fiercest friends and spilling some serious tea on business, beauty, and being a boss-ass bitch. With me, baby, you'll never know what will happen. Find Yes to the Guest on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are played. Start streaming and downloading now. And don't forget to subscribe because every Monday we're going in. We got so much to chat about. So turn it up and say yes to the Guest. Yes. 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 So then I went to high school and I was like 30 pounds down. I was in what I call wonderland. I was out of the 200s and I was like, I'm, whatever happens, I'm not going higher. I'm never going higher. Like that was when I promised myself like I'm just the scale will never go higher than this. Like I have to at least keep this off. So that's when I started loving the scale. The scale helped be like this like tool for me to see what's working and what's not. So I'd see as a volumeter, if I eat, you know, a tub of popcorn while watching television, okay, I go from 186 to 188. But if I take like four frozen blocks of bird's eye broccoli from the freezer, put them in a huge bowl and microwave it and then douse it with, I can't believe it's not butter and salt and eat that mindlessly in front of the TV. Then I stay at 186, like, or I go down.
1: So you, like, you develop these hacks, like, even at that age. Yeah. Which is actually, like, for me, surprising because when I was in high school, I had no hacks. I was, like, <laughs> let me diet. And it was so unsustainable. So did you never fall into that trap when you were that age?
0: I'm really blessed. Um, my mother passed away now, like, four years ago. I'm sorry. Oh, I love a shalom. Yeah. And she, I always said, like, mom, like, can I talk about your toxic eating um, at the end of her life when she was getting sick? Because as my career started, you know, obviously like taking off and she was like, Alana, anyway, you could share my story that would help others. I want you to do Because She's an amazing person. And her eating was toxic. She just battled, just binge eating and all of that forever. So I just watched it. I watched it. Like we all have stories of just like, her diets and this and that and that. And honestly, unfortunately, that's just become so much more common. And I feel like there are now so many kids who are maybe listening to this who can say the same thing about their experience and seeing what their mom sneaks and doesn't think that the kids see. And it was a huge turnoff to me. It was just a real turnoff. And so, and I am very almost blessed that they kind of took the sacrifice and experience all those toxic dietings because from my perspective, like it was so clear that they don't work. You know, when people today are still fooled and think that there's like this magic pill or step or like four foods that they're only going to eat for the rest of their life and think that that's going to be sustainable, like I'm just like, uh, and I think maybe it's easier to see other people experience it than their own self. Yeah. Because I hear people say that like they've done 40 toxic diets and they still want to jump on the next one. Because, like, the diet for sport, maybe for me it was easier to watch my parents do it and, like, learn from an outside perspective.
1: Yeah, because you almost have, like, an external view and you're like, this is bullshit. Like, it just doesn't work. Whereas, like, if you've not seen it, it's almost like you're just reading the – Stupid magazine articles and like online things that tell you, like, oh, like this is like so and so did this diet and yeah. it really worked, you right. know? And you like almost get tricked into it because you've not seen firsthand it's that it's a it lot of trickery.
0: Work. It's really sad. And from my perspective, like, and and it's interesting that I had that big be- and that I continued to be a volume meter because my weight loss camp and like any nutritionist that I was forced to see always told me like, you have to eat chicken in the palm size of your hand. Mm -hmm. And for me to this day, like I need two chicken quarters and probably another wing or two if that's going to be enough protein for me to stay full and satisfied. So I knew that that wasn't working. Like anytime I tried to do that, it just wasn't working. I can't eat small portions of food. I'm, I left, I'm left like thinking, what do I want to eat next? What do I eat next? That preoccupies my mind the way food always preoccupied my mind. So to this day, I like to eat a lot, own it, Mm -hmm. and then be satisfied and be done so I can move on with my day and think about work, kids, makeup, whatever else I want to think about. I had to be a hacker. And I think I'm just creative by nature. That's why I get called the food hacker uh, because I had to see like, okay, I love volume eating. I know I can't do restriction. And how do I eat a lot that food that tastes good, like, is good enough? Especially because I was eating so mindlessly. Yeah. You know, sometimes people tell me, like, oh, but turnip fries aren't fries, you know? And I love turnip fries. It's like— They're so good. They're so good. And they do the trick. And they're amazing. And the more you eat them, the more you realize, like, they taste better than fast food fries. So it just takes time and evolving. But— Your body craves— Vegetables! Yes, yes. Like, like, that's what makes it function well. Hundred totally. um,
1: percent. But yeah, so like you were volume eating, and you had all yeah. these like. Little and acts. I think it's so
0: funny when people to this day tell me like, "Oh, but that's not fries, and that's not this." It's like, after the fourth fry, how mindful are you about the taste and the texture and everything of the fry? Like we eat a lot. Like after, and there's a point of diminishing returns because I've started studying nutrition and everything. You know, we if they've even studied brain scans of like the first bite compared to the fifth bite compared to the twentieth bite, and our pleasure centers of our brain just light up differently. Like at first, it's exciting. And then after 5, 10 minutes, it gets less and less exciting. So you might as well, especially if I was having 100 bites, I knew that I had to fill bite, you know, 2 through 100 with, with food that was actually going to help my weight loss. So essentially, I started as a food hacker losing weight on my own. I started losing 20 pounds through my sophomore year and then 30 pounds. And I literally started trickling down and lost maybe like 30, 40 pounds through high school on my own. And we were drinking, we were partying, we were doing late night pizza. <laughs> like So then I kept losing weight. And all of a sudden, my friends' moms, like suburban moms, also were like, Alana, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to my Weight Watchers meetings, but you're looking great. Um, tell me what to do. <laughs> and this was like every time I'd go to my friend's house, like the moms would just like pin me in the kitchen and be like, what are you doing? Because my friends were, I don't know, eating salads, bagels. Like they had good metabolisms. Their child homes were as dysfunctional and so forth. But my friend's moms were paying really a lot of attention. And I kept saying, what are you doing that's working? And I'd be like, okay, I would tell them. But then I realized I like telling them. I love sharing these hacks. I love sharing these secrets. And I want to make a career out of it if I can, but I need credibility to do so. So I was not a student in high school. I ditched everything to be president of creative clubs and things like that and just found every way to hack through high school. There's a theme here. And now I hack parenting, but that'll be my next career. (laughs) And so what happened is I realized, okay, well, in order to become a— you know, renowned, credible nutritionist who have to become a registered dietitian and get a master's degree. So I was like, oh, goodness. So then I started working hard, like in that last, you know, SAT phase of high school, just so I can make that happen. And I really just... I mean, I was in a sorority. I partied through college, but I took it very seriously. I pulled all-nighters learning how to be an organic chemist and have to take labs, Organic 1 and Organic 2 and biochemistry. I mean, it's super intense. It's microbiology. It's pre-med aside from physics. I was only physics away from taking the MCAT. It was just so intense. And I don't know. I really believe in my heart that if you care enough— you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And I really like for everyone who just gives me excuses all day and struggles and you have a busy life and you have bad genetics and you have this condition and that condition, if you care enough, I really believe anyone can do anything because the fact that I got through organic chem and all these things because I had this dream um, is a testament. So then I, I did that and I continued losing weight. I actually went back to the weight loss camp as a counselor. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I really wanted that experience. And I actually requested G14, which was the bunk that, like, changed my whole life going into high school girls. So I wanted that experience and secretly also wanted to, like, lose that last, like, 10 at the time. Like, go from, like, maybe 165 to 150. And camp was just a good opportunity to do it. And I was building my resume now because I want to be a nutritionist. So that was a really inspiring experience. I love those girls to this day. And, yeah, and so then I basically left college. And I was hired by UCLA pretty quickly out Mm -hmm. of – I had to do residency and all these things. But then I was hired by UCLA pretty quickly because they wanted to lead a weight loss seminar for their employees, Uh like an employee health program called the Bruin Health Improvement Program. And I would get like 100 UCLA employees who want to lose 40 pounds or more and teach them a class in a 12-week forum. So I kind of like – You know, at this point, I had all the schooling and good at PowerPoints and my own experience. And I started leading this weight loss seminar at UCLA. And the first, you know, class, the first class of like 100 employees or so, the average weight loss was maybe like 12, 13 pounds in 12 weeks.
1: That's incredible. It was
0: okay. But I was like, "Mm, I could do better because we had to take like the weights and the stats. So then Mm -hmm. the next Semester, I made it so that the average was like 14 pounds. And then I kept tweaking the curriculum and learning like what marketing tactics, what what we call now like Alana-isms, my little catchphrases, like really resonate with people. And then in addition to teaching the class, I got to work with each of them Mm one-on-one. So this is like janitors, like people who have to travel two hours away to, you know, really wealthy professors who live around the corner in Brentwood, California. So Mm -hmm. I really got to work with Every culture, like really, like I got to work with the Hispanic community really closely. I got to work with elderly women who were on the verge of retiring, and they've been secretaries there for a million years and new hires in the kitchen. So I really got to understand like moms, kids, adult, like every just kind of person, and that really I'm so grateful for that experience. I ended up teaching the class for 10 semesters. And I got the average weight loss from like 12 pounds to over, I think we got ended at like 20. Like a really, wow. every semester I kept tweaking the structure. And it was so good and helped so many people. As I was building my private practice in Beverly Hills, I knew I had to scale it. Like more people had to hear about this. So that's how I pitched it to uh, the Beachbody CEO, Carl Zeichler. Yeah who was not expecting me to pitch him in this meeting that's a whole another story and um we turned my whole weight loss philosophy into my program called the 2B mindset that now like hundreds of thousands of people are doing
1: yeah yeah i mean it, it and like i've we'll get into like your book and all of that because i really do think it's probably like one of like probably the best and most like oh. practical book I've ever read oh, on like so honored nutrition. I'm try. No, like genuinely. I'm so proud of it. I it, love it. You and you should be because like I I wish I had something like this when I was in high school, like doing my crash diets and being told that like like just like, you know, it was like binging because nothing totally. was working. And like obviously, like as I've gotten into wellness, like I understood the power of vegetables, but like I love that you just kind of break it down and it's like so just easy, you know, and it's so sustainable. And
0: it makes you feel so good.
1: Genuinely, (laughs) genuinely. I mean, like you are supposed to consume vegetables, like you're supposed to eat a certain way and like also enjoy life, which your philosophy allows you to do. So for anyone who's like not heard of to be mindset, tell us your core tenets of your program or not program, I guess like your lifestyle, Uh which makes it different.
0: Totally. Uh, So I have what I call like my core for two bunnies, um, just because if you put like the two fingers up, it looks like two bunnies. Um, so if you if you find me on Instagram, you'll or Google my name, you'll see a lot of two bunnies. But it's basically the four core principles that literally help everyone lose weight a thousand percent of the time. So no matter if you're doing like keto, paleo, Weight Watchers, you don't know what you're doing that's working. You'll probably find that it's these four core principles that are the things making the biggest difference, and that's what I kept seeing. So water first. We always think we're hungry. We get really impulsive. You run into the kitchen, out of the car. Your kids come in after a school day. Everyone just thinks that they need food. Like, I need a snack. I need a snack. I need a snack. We always think it's food first. It really is water first. Water is filling. It's satisfying. It calms you. We really need way more water than we need food. So when you start to fill up on water first, you take a breath. You fill up. It actually starts to quiet your hunger hormones so that you go into your meal in a way more conscious state. And studies show because I hate portion control and I hate being told I need to eat less, but studies show if you just drink 16 ounces of water first prior to your meal, you will just subtly end up eating less without having to think you're eating less. And that's, like, my whole thing. Like, that's how I like to hack things. I never want to think less. I always want to think more. And water really helps you get there. So always start with water first, and I go into that way more in detail um, to understand how much and all that stuff. And veggies most. I am the veggie queen. I want to own it. I want to be the brand ambassador for vegetables. Um, They have the worst wrap, and it's so unnecessary. Vegetables are the perfect base for any meal. Anything. Anything, you go into any other culture, they know it, they celebrate. If you read any cookbook on like Mediterranean diets that we know are the healthiest, they just use vegetables. They don't look at a meal without a vegetable as a complete meal. And unfortunately, America has like, not only went one extreme, now we're going the other extreme. One extreme was, okay, abolish all vegetables and everything on our plate should be starchy and white. And now it's like, oh, if you eat vegetables, it's diet culture. Everyone needs to quiet down and bring veggies to the top. They are amazing. Eggplant, zucchini,
1: spaghetti squash, cauliflower. Like, these foods change lives. And, like, <laughs> it's not just, like, weight loss. It's skin. It's, it's how you mental feel. Mental health. It's oh my gosh. the micronutrients. Like— when I'm having vegetables, like, and I know that I've, like, prioritized that, I feel like a superhuman. Totally. Like, it's it's unbelievable.
0: And for anyone listening to this and they're like, oh, my God, but it makes me bloated, that's where the array bloat pills are really great, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, there are ways because you the more veggies you eat, the more your body craves them and needs them. But at first, you know, I think people, like, go too far. So you have to walk your way into them. But I realized at a young age, potato chips and sour cream and onion dip tastes just as good with a cucumber in the same sour cream and onion dip.
1: Could not agree more. The
0: best base. The best. The best. Like, a cucumber is so good in hummus and tzatziki, in guacamole. If you don't want cucumbers, it's bell pepper. If you don't want bell pepper, it's daikon radish. Like, there's always another vegetable. When people say they don't like vegetables, I'm like, look at my vegetable list in my food, like, within my book. There's hundreds of them. You can't not like vegetables. You just haven't found any you like yet. hundred percent our bodies are designed to eat them. And it's a shame when people come from that perspective because they haven't been fed them enough or found ways to enjoy them, but then find a way to enjoy them. And I always tell people like, a great start is going to your favorite restaurant, like whether that's a steakhouse or even Olive Garden, whatever it is, and get whatever broccolini they have or cauliflower mash they've put on the menu because they probably made it really good and then you'll at least get the, you know, bacon and Brussels sprouts, whatever it is, and then realize, oh, I, this can taste good and then you'll figure out ways to make my recipes and lean them down a little bit if you want to. Um, so veggies most, you gotta eat veggies. Anyone who says, oh, I, can I do the be mindset? Can I do your program if I don't like vegetables? It's like, sayonara, you'll find me later eventually i also i trademarked water first veggies most because i studied the blue zones like the areas of the world where we see the greatest rates of longevity the lowest rates of cancer where people just live not just long but well Mm-hmm. you know they live till 98 walking with their grandkids like hiking with good mental health with all these things like they don't deteriorate and decline the way our rates do in America um, and some of these other cultures like where we just start declining like after 70 hard no offense to anyone who's 70 and you could live very well at 70 if you do my program my father is thriving um in his late 60s so thriving with my program so you could live really well and long but you have to embrace vegetables it's a of It's so
1: true. It's true. Like I was just in Greece and we went to the islands like literally like a few weeks back and I went to Paros and we were talking to our Uber driver and we were like, how old are like the oldest people in your community? She's like, well, my grandma is 90 and she's cooking still. Amazing. And I was like, well, yeah, no wonder because you guys like we were eating all just like food there and it's it's like all like so like yummy vegetables and it's all grilled and like Traveling
0: is so important oh, for this reason. It's, it's so true. important. Like people really need to travel. Like you need to go to Israel, you need to go to Greece, like you need to go to Spain, you need to see how shockingly different our lifestyle is to theirs. And
1: So then there's those
0: two funnies, Yeah, water first veggies most. Second and you. then the scale. So everyone hates the scale, everyone hates the scale. I don't blame you. If you were doing a toxic diet, fad diet, and you were starving yourself or you were cutting everything out or you were isolating yourself from friends and family only to go on the scale and see it only went down half a pound, it is depressing. It was validation of an unhealthy, unhappy person. And so I get that there's this huge emotional coming that comes with the scale for so many people. However, If you see it as a productive, useful tool, as I will walk you through in my program, you will see that it's like literally your best friend. It's really, really, really the one stable thing. It doesn't come with any judgment. It's not there to judge you. It's a $20 thing that's never changed while all these diets and fads and and sentiments have, which is why sometimes like men are sometimes my most successful clients, just because a lot of them haven't been told by their mothers to go on the scale at a young age. Like they don't carry the emotional weight with it. And they see it as like checking in on their bank account. Did the bank account go higher? You put the work in, or did it go down because you overspent? It's, it really can just be an objective measuring tool when so much is emotional and subjective. Um, so I will walk you through how to attain a such a positive relationship with the scale. I have interviewed every woman over 80 who's still wearing a size two or four in their little Chanel suits in Beverly Hills. They all use the scale. They don't look at it emotionally. It's just something they go on a few times a week just to see what's up. It's really hard in our very noisy culture of especially work from home, wear sweatpants, um, stretchy pants everywhere, not even going to as many in-person events, so you're not even trying to address on as often, it's really easy to completely let yourself go and have no idea. They've done, I have so much research. If you just Google Alana Molstein and Journal of Obesity, thoughts on the scale, I have so much research showing the scale alone literally helps people stay on track, eat more mindfully. And again, if you have a journey with it, that you have to take and take yourself out of a very emotional, dark place with it, then it might be a journey for you. And it could be the thing that you push off at the start. But I mean, it's literally changed my life in such a positive way through COVID, through everything, Um, through my mother passing away through everything. It's just that thing that reminds you, oh, emotional eating isn't helping you get through this you know, and I, that reminder is, is important. And then the tracker. So I really looked at like what was working for people. If people were doing Weight Watchers and and no hate to Weight Watchers, I know I keep bringing it up, but like that is something that I saw a lot as a kid. Um, and through my private practice, I see people coming from that world. And it, it probably is like one of the best next things after my program. Um, but one thing I saw that people were doing is they were just writing down their food. So right now people like track their macros and they track their ketones and whatever people are doing, a lot of it usually comes down to they're writing down their food. So whether they're doing Lindora or this process or this process, sometimes it doesn't even matter. Like if you just isolate the diet of like what they're eating, a lot of it comes down to that habit and behavior of just writing down what you have eaten. Mm -hmm. And there's so many studies, again, that have just isolated that one thing. Like if you don't tell anyone what to eat, you just tell them to write it all down. There's studies that show if you write down what you had for lunch, or even if you think about what you had for lunch, when you sit down at dinner, you will eat like 10 to 15% less dinner without even realizing it just because you were more mindful and conscious. So.
1: And you're not having people track
0: calories. No, you're not weighing, you're not measuring. I have three kids and I work full time. I cannot use a scale, um, a, a food scale. I don't, I literally just write like, like I said, two chicken cotters, and a thigh with barbecue sauce, uh, like, you know, a plate of broccoli. Sometimes I'll say like the blue plate because I know I have blue plates, I have gray plates. It just will make you so aware. And then it provides feedback so that if the next day, and you could say like one Hershey kiss, like um, three bites of my kids' leftover Cheerios. It's so much more important than ever talking about calories because this is like, why did I even eat those soggy Cheerios? Like next time, it just makes you more insightful. It makes you more aware and it doesn't have to be complicated. It literally is just three bites of Cheerios. So then the next day when the scale goes up, potentially you can just look back. You don't really, I mean, I'm happy to, I see private clients, but I'm so happy I have the tools now that people can become their own nutritionist in their own head to be able to be like, I didn't need those Cheerios. Next time I'm going to have my kids clear their own plates. So I'm not the one who has to like, clean up after everyone and combine that stress of it with the mindless eating of it and so forth. It just makes you just more capable.
1: So then when someone is following your program and they're like really in it, why do people hit plateaus and what can they do to kind of move past that?
0: It's such a good question. It's really funny because my program is digital. It's Mm video-based. So when we launched the program, no one ever heard of it before. Like, Thousands and thousands of people who tried it on day one have never heard of it before. I think like over 70,000 or something like that people. And one of the top videos was help them at a plateau. They hadn't done my program yet. And they were already at a plateau with it on like day one. So this is a common thing. Everyone thinks they're at a plateau. I'd say first thing, sometimes being at a plateau is a good thing. You know, you're not gaining. Most Americans in today's world, especially we know from COVID results, most people are gaining weight. Yeah. Subtly. Even if you're gaining half a pound a month, that's still six pounds you're gaining a year. That's 60 pounds in a decade. Mm -hmm. Most people are subtly gaining weight in our culture and not realizing it. So if you're staying at the exact same weight, living your life, getting through the stresses we have, sometimes that's a good thing and i think everyone forgets that it's definitely better than gaining and also if nothing changes nothing changes so i had to eat very differently from 215 to 186 then i started eating from 186 to 166 to into the 150s down to you know 120 so you really have to keep changing it up um, and that's why i love Again, like my program, a lot of times people are like, I'm doing your program and I'm at a plateau. I'm doing your program and like the scale's not moving anymore. What do I do? Well, or like I'm doing it. My favorite line is when people say, I'm doing it quote unquote perfectly. How come I'm not getting results? And there is no one perfect way to do it because everyone's different. Uh, Like eating tofu for dinner with zucchini noodles, and marinara, and extra parm is doing the program quote unquote. And so is like, I don't know, having spaghetti squash with mounds of Alfredo and like you're at a sushi restaurant and so you're having like more soy sauce on, I don't know, Catch is probably the only place where that's our sushi and spaghetti squash in the same place. But like with too much soy sauce, I mean, there's just like, you have to be intuitive. You have to be able to try track and see what works best for you and study your tracker and kind of figure it out. And I have so much content now because we have a monthly program where I show people like the seven best hacks for breaking a plateau. And one of them is, You have to go back to the same strength and focus you had on day one. A lot of us get complacent, right? So it's like you were really focused on day one. You watched every video. It was fresh in your mind. You planned your food for the week. You planned your meals. You like even like looked at a menu because you know you're going out to this restaurant in a week from now. And you had all this focus. And now you saw that, oh, I could actually lose 15 pounds. I feel good. I feel comfortable. And then you get a little, like you take your foot off the wheel a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then we would let like the bites and the licks and the taste and the few sips of wine come up here and there. And that works for staying at the same weight. But in order to get back into weight loss mode, you, you have to like go back to that, like, you know, that, that like strength. And so you, you know, I recommend once you have my videos, you have them for life. Once you have my book, you have it for life and you have my audio book. So a lot of people say like they re to it and they lost another five pounds. Um, so you have to kind of bring the focus back. You have to look at Bird's eye view. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense because sometimes you're just like, I don't know, like you might snack on something and just not even realize and oh, like mindlessly, constantly. you know.
0: Kids only makes it so much harder. Oh, I can't <laughs> even,
1: cannot but even But now imagine. I have a
0: pregnancy program. So everyone could do that. It's like essentially you said like the weight loss, like the to be mindset is everything you wish you knew in high school. This pregnancy program I have coming out in January is everything I wish I knew before my first pregnancy.
1: This is, that's really cool. And I feel like it's a very underserved market as well. Totally. Like, you it know, doesn't exist. Right yeah. now, you
0: have like these random pamphlets you get in the gynecologist that say you should gain this amount of weight, it doesn't tell you how. It tells you to eat, like, oh, it's just arbitrary rules. I remember I saw like, oh, when you enter um, trimester two, eat 500 more calories. What if I wasn't tracking my calories before? How do I know? What 500 more calories yeah. is. Where should those 500 calories be? Is it 500 calories for a woman who's 5'1 and 130 pounds, the same as someone who's 250 pounds yeah. and 5'8? Like, what what does that mean? But that is literally the literature
1: out there. Oh my God. So, yeah. this is this is necessary. Alana. It, it's the world wild. needs this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so when someone is doing your core program, let's like take it down to basics. How should they be? Um, looking at breakfast, lunch, dinner? Are you a fan of like grazing all day long? Like right. what, What? like tell us yeah, your- Yeah,
0: totally, totally. Um, definitely not into grazing, but also not necessarily into intermittent fasting for everyone and all that stuff. Becoming a registered dietitian and going through all those advanced nutrition courses opened my eyes tremendously because I was going off of my hacks and what I'd learned, but I realized like there's a nutritional piece to weight loss, um, which obviously we- Think is the only thing. Um, But I say there's three pillars. There's the nutritional piece, there's the emotional piece, and there's the environmental piece. So I really had to master that nutritional piece. And I realized, wow, food has purpose, okay? Food has purpose. So, you know, when I see all these Instagrammers and influencers saying— you're having a hard day, just give yourself that cake. And like, is that really a better message? It really isn't. When you actually learn nutrition, it's freaking cool. And all food has a purpose. And when you give it its purpose and you bring logic to it, you can really take out a lot of the emotion from it. And it's very good for the rest of your body, not just your mind. Because we have to give our body what it needs before we give our minds what it thinks it wants. So I realized that All food groups are important, but I break them down into four groups, not eight or whatever else exists there. But... um Veggies. Veggies are what we want to fill up on, get full, get satisfied, and understand that more in my book. Then protein. Protein keeps you full. So that was really important for me to hear because I would eat popcorn, and then I'd eat white pasta, and then I would eat white rice, and I would eat all these things, and I'd be like, why am I an endless, bottomless pit? Like, why can I eat like a tank after all this white rice and all this popcorn and all this bread? Like, how come I'm still hungry? Because protein keeps you full. And until I realized that protein is what keeps you full, um, I didn't prioritize it. And now I make sure like I've protein at every meal. Even if I ate a lot, but I didn't have any protein, I'm like, mm, let me just like have an egg because I know that I don't want to be hungry in an hour and that that's a thing. It really works. So protein keeps you full. Um, Carbs give you energy. So this was a huge lightning bolt in my brain because I was just eating carbs late at night while sitting on the couch and wondering why I was gaining so much weight day after day. And I realized because carbs might have worked at weight loss camp when I was running all day, but and they still need to work for my days and my mornings, but like, how much do I need to be loading up on them at 10 p.m. at night when I'm going to sleep? carbs give you energy. That is a huge thing to understand. So I realized like, yes, you need energy first thing in the morning. You need energy midday. Do you need like a whole bag of energy right before you go to sleep at night? Absolutely not. And it does give you a little like almost like food coma that everyone says that maybe make you sleepy, but it's not good sustained sleep. It's like when you drink wine and it makes you sleepy. Yeah. It's not deep sleep So or what your body really wants. So when I learned that carbs give you energy, my mind was blown. And then when I realized that fiber and carbs gives you sustained energy, I'm like, aha, like that makes a lot of sense. Um, and sugar is what makes you crash and all these things. That's why I have a lot of people who work. On, like, my brand and everything, um, like, on the corporate side, they don't have weight to lose, but they say to me, like, listen, I didn't have weight to lose. Like, they're younger. They don't have to worry about it yet um, or anything, but they just say to me, like, just eating this way just gives me better energy.
1: It's, It's an energy thing. That's that's what it is. Like having a white bagel in the morning or a muffin. is no. not about weight loss. It just it, it kills makes you, you sleepy. Like I'm not as productive when right. I'm eating like shit. Like it just doesn't do anything for me. From and like I need to be functioning at my highest. Like totally. I, I have a fucking busy life. Yeah, you know you gotta be operating well. That's why like
0: I really, I mean, in my private practice, I work with like serious, high-powered CEOs, like serious, serious people. And it's a lot of it usually comes down to energy. Also, like in my private practice, when I was building it, I didn't do everyone for weight loss, just digestive issues and all these things. Like a lot of these principles work for a lot of conditions. It's yeah. like overall, just healthy eating, like what works functionally best for you. I'm very efficient. I'm like very much a uh, yeah, worker. I know. So like, I, when people tell me these do these crazy diets and how long they keep them, I'm like, good for you. Like I would never. Or like when I sometimes I still have calls with people and they're like, sorry, I'm a little foggy. I'm on like day eight of a juice cleanse, and I'm like, you're like I don't got. Why are funny. you on my Zoom call? <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're telling me you're of half a brain on this call. Like thanks. Okay, let's go. Um, it's just like how do you do that? Especially as life gets busier and busier, because life only gets harder, so you have to get stronger. So yes, yeah, so carbs are for energy. You have to know how to work them um, and pair them with proteins so that the energy is more sustained and doesn't crash. And this is also great for other things. that can be helpful for blood sugar control. It could be helpful for like skin. It could be helpful for so much um, once you understand it at a cellular level. And um, then I, what I call accessories, healthy fats, nuts, nut butters, maple syrup, like just all that extra stuff. And so I kind of group it under um, something I call accessories. Like it's great to have an earring, a necklace, you know, it really makes an outfit a good bag, but it doesn't have to be the base of our meal. Mm-hmm. So that's like you know you see a lot of people do now with this like fat bombs and fat snacks and all this stuff. Like fat is good, fat is healthy, but like should it be the base and and foundation of your food unless it's it's not sustainable? It's just not.
1: So then how do you structure the meals at every meal? It's different, It's I, different. I, yeah. So
0: I have something I call my plate it method. It's like my unique approach to breaking down meals. If you look at, I was really inspired by the USDA when they went from a food guide pyramid, because none of us eat in pyramids, we eat according to a plate. So that was a brilliant, like, I, you know, I don't agree with everything from the USDA, that was a brilliant change. like everyone behind that, marketing department, dietitians, PhDs, brilliant. Uh, I don't know why that took so long for us to get to. And so I saw that they kind of designed by a plate. And then I realized how they design a plate is not for weight loss per se. Um, if you're going to give general healthy guidelines, like it, it works. Um, yeah. But for weight loss and- just optimal healthy living um, and getting results. I've seen it broken down differently. And so it was really working with private clients like year after year, hundreds and hundreds of clients at UCLA in private practice that I broke down like what the plate has to be. Mm -hmm. And that was just like in my notes in my notes. And so when I was working with Beachbody and they're like, how are we going to make this to the masses? I kind of like broke down, okay, you know what really just always works breaking it down like this. Breakfast, 50-50. 50% protein, 50% FFCs, fiber-filled carbs. So that might be two slices of Dave's Killer Bread with, or like a high-fiber toast with two eggs Veggies are extra credit. If you want to throw in sauteed spinach and onions into your omelet, great. If not, you don't have to. It could be a shake, which means protein and a banana um, and mixing it with like almond milk or nut butter or whatever you want to do. It could be Greek yogurt as your protein and berries. And maybe you want to sprinkle a little granola or chia seeds on that. Like it's You know, I break it down within my program and then lunch looks different and then dinner looks different just because our needs throughout the day just change drastically. You know, you might get hungrier throughout the day, but you need less, you know, energy to run a marathon because you're not in as many meetings and you're watching Netflix. It just changes. So then what should our plate look like at dinner? So for dinner, I always – it's, like, really hard for people to hear this when you haven't heard my whole program because, like, people, like, translate it wrong um, and take it way, like – people just go nuts um, for my plate at dinner if they haven't really walked through my program. But I do recommend 75% veggies, 25% protein, and, of course, accessories. So that could be, but like
1: – why yeah. is that? why is that a bad thing?
0: So, like, it, I, I really want to refill my whole program. It's amazing, honestly. It's gotten I, – I, there are – Literally, probably dozens, dozens of people who've lost a hundred pounds on my program and they've never met me a day in their life. Like, thankfully, we did a fantastic job. Um, I, I mean, I say we because I'm one of a puzzle, like a beach body, I have like a huge team of people who who are amazing at making you feel like that personal trainer is in your living room like that's an art um, that I needed their help with Um, but I don't for some reason you know people if they come from a huge dieting background they're like oh my gosh she said that like I don't need my dinner roll like how am I going to live without my dinner roll Um, and honestly
1: it all comes down to trying tracking and see what works for you it's also not like like I feel like the way you say it it's like vegetables and protein. You're not you're No, almost, like, I never not say even, the word no within my yeah, whole program. And, and it doesn't exist. And that's what's so great about it, that like, okay, like I've been told to eat veggies my whole life and like I've known that it can be really yummy because yeah. like that's just I mean it, it, a, it, granted, it's how I've been brought up. Like, vegetables were a big thing in my household, right? But, like, being told that vegetables are something you should, it should be, be eating. should be the heart of your plate at your dinner. Like, Why is big. that a bad thing? No, no it's not. But people thing. come from,
0: like, you know, different universes. Yeah. Um, and also, like… So have a whole mango sliced up after dinner as your dessert. Like, it's still better than, you know, the box of ho or whatever you're having before. <laughs> like, you'll still lose weight. You'll still get results. Like, again, like, I had to, you know, scale this. So, and if you want to eat more, I have a shore model. Like, I have this more shore model because I was a volume meter. Okay, yeah,
1: I, we need, everyone needs to hear this because it's so good.
0: Yeah, no, the, I think my more shore model is my, like, top creation after my three children. I'm a volume meter. I never want to tell people you need to have a fistful of rice and, you know, four ounces of chicken because, again, 130 pounds to 400 pounds, I want you to be able to do my program. Mm -hmm. And we all have different needs. So I give you guidelines about the plates, which I walk you through deeper within my program, my book. But um, if you want to eat more… Sure, you can always eat more, but it's a process. Like again, you wanna start with the water first. You wanna have veggies because if your first bite is veggies, studies show that you'll go back for more veggies. We always wanna go back for more veggies. If you're on um, conversely, if you start your first bite with a carb, which. We all run in and we look at every vending machine and the first thing you see is pretzels. We always start with carbs first, which just increases your appetite. Um, studies show this is not me saying it or judging them in any way. First bite veggie, then you want to make sure you have protein because that's what's going to keep you full. So if you're hungry for more, how many more times do you want to go through this before you like, there's nothing left in the pantry and like you've wasted 40 minutes of your life like, you know, binging and not knowing why. So you want to make sure protein fits in the bill because that's what's going to, you know, make you feel full and lead to stopping. And then we have the carbs because they're for energy, they're great, uh, but it's not necessarily the priority. And then if you, again, if you want more, sure. So if you're at a barbecue, like, you know, you're going to start with water first before the margaritas and before the beer. And then, you know, it's kind of, I call it like my push-off method, delay, don't deny. Like, this just <laughs> I'm like a bottomless pit with all of these, like the research behind it, the methods, the catchphrases to all make it feel as simple, sensible, and sustainable.
1: Yeah, and I actually think it's n- not just from like a, a practical standpoint that like, okay, like get your vegetables first, then your protein. Like those are the building blocks. Like they keep you full, but also like, you know, just like empty carbs can spike your blood blood sugar levels. Right? Yes. And, and so- it's so
0: crazy. I see people like on social media saying like, don't call them empty calories. Don't call them empty carbs. Like that's judging food. That's toxic dieting. It's really just nutrition. <laughs> These things are empty. Like if you have wonder, like white bleached bread with no fiber, and it's stripped of all its vitamins. It says enriched because legally they had to put vitamins back in after they made it look so distant from the wheat that it started from. Like, it is empty. It not only doesn't keep you full, it actually makes you hungrier. And we have amazing studies to, to prove that. So...
1: Yeah. And I think it's like You if just have to learn it. Yeah. And if you're if you're having that and you know, like absolutely, like I think what I what I really like about your philosophy is that you you, you never say no, right? It's more so like never. front load your diet, like where your meals mm-hmm. rather, like with these like building blocks, which will make you feel good. It totally. gives you the fuel that you need. And it's just good like it vegetables and protein are just like never bad for you. No. You, know? you can see weight loss
0: can just be so much more simple sensible and sustainable and not complicated and not flavorless. It could just be. It's true. It could be easy and enjoyable.
1: And I have to call out one of your recipes, which I feel like everyone just needs to go and watch. I found it. I think it was on TikTok. It was the TikTok pasta, but made with spaghetti squash. You know? You know. Oh, oh I, yeah. With the feta and tomatoes. Yeah. yeah great. I, I made it. And My brother, my husband, like everyone, like when my friends come over, I just make it. Oh, that's awesome. It's
0: It's easy because it's like three ingredients. So easy. Like I just need someone to cut that. I got to make that again. It's so good. My husband always yells at me because he never sees the same food in my house twice. Because I'm so, (laughs) like, I'm such a foodie. I'm I'm just always on to the next. I'm always on to the next. So like when people remind me of a recipe, even just a week ago, I'm like, "Mm, I got to bring that back. Yeah,
1: that one I like I learned from you and I was like, like I always make it at home. Like I feel like everyone just yeah, I mean that one like, like broke the internet. Yeah, and it's so easy and like you don't have to use like for the for the longest time I was just using chickpea pasta because I don't like to do yeah. use pasta every day uh-huh. or whatever. But like then I saw your recipe and I was like, oh my God, this is genius. And yeah. then I chickpea started-
0: pasta is like again, something that like exists now that did not exist oh, then. Yeah. What was so that? So much like, better than white ago. pasta. <laughs> my kids, my kids have never, I mean, now that like, my kids are older, you know, they've tasted white pasta here and there. But, I mean, for sure, if you're a parent, like, there's no reason to give your kid white pasta anymore. There's just, like, like plain white pasta. And then the problem is parents say, like, oh, I can't go to these healthier alternative pastas because my kids are so used to the other ones. It's like, oh, man. So, like, for anyone on here who has not had kids yet, like, don't even start. There's just, there's chickpea pasta. There's pastas with veggies in it. I'm very excited. I have these two pasta companies I work with. One I can't really talk about yet, but it's literally going to blow kids' heads off. It's, insanely good. Um, and then I also work with a company called Immy Ramen that just found a way to make a higher protein, lower carb ramen. What? And it's made from like two like guys who literally grew up eating ramen every day in their households. Like it is legit, um, but it's a little less sodium and it, it's just... There's so many better ways to go about things now. There's yeah, really no it's, reason. There's a
1: lot of alternatives. And it's, it's you really You have to have great. an open mind, though. And the thing is that even, like, chickpea pasta, like, I have found that it's, like, it's such a practical alternative, And it keeps right? you full as you
0: eat it. It's Seriously? so high in protein and fiber. It's, like, every bite is hearty.
1: Yeah. And you can't eat more than a certain amount. Like, it's, like, right. it's… Right. Unlike so- white
0: pasta, you can literally eat a whole box and then wonder why you could eat more.
1: Truly, it's bizarre. Yeah. So… We've gone through a lot this podcast interview, but two things that I want to cover before we wrap. Mm -hmm. Number one is what are some myths or like one myth that you want to bust when it comes to eating? Oh, God, I have
0: so many. Um, I always like to say there's a big difference between healthy and healthy for weight loss. I think that's what really just gets so many people. I mean, I think most people who tell me like, why can't I lose weight? Why can't I lose weight? And it comes from such a like sad place a lot of times I could just tell that they're being really led incorrectly uh, by marketing. So they're thinking that just because it says protein on that cereal box, that that's a really good protein source. Or they're thinking... Peanut uh, almond butter is so much better than peanut butter so they could have unlimited amounts of almond butter like when they're pretty similar. Like um, when people think like acai bowl is an antioxidant bowl. No, it is a sugar bowl that has more sugar than two donuts. So a lot of it is that. I In my book, I have like a whole list of it where I call it beer, um, liquid bread, and granola, crushed up cookies. So like, and I have tons of examples in the book, but I think that is just the myth that like everything that is quote-unquote healthy, should be healthy for weight loss, is just not a fact. And again, for me, like, I had to learn a lot of that the hard way with the scale and actually see, okay, she could tell me all day that this is healthy. And my friends love it. Like, oh, Alana, you're going to love this really healthy thing, this bar, this dressing, this whatever. And I'm like, "Eh, it doesn't work for me. So, you know, it's there's so much out there. I mean, there's so much out there on that front, especially now when, like, Whole Foods and health markets and Erewhon type places are just growing. I mean, I can walk through Erewhon, which is supposed to be like the holy grail of health food stores, that everything is just really expensive and pristine. And there's just loaded with fake healthy products, loaded.
1: You just have to like know, you know, like you have to first of all. I think people, unfortunately, um, the, the like most people don't know to like turn things over and like read the label right. to see like the ingredients. which is why I have like
0: a label in my book and show you what to do. And and if you look at like how to read a label, a lot of times people point you to things that really don't impact your day to day life, mm-hmm. like how much like ten percent of potassium is in there. Like if you're having enough vegetables, like that or it there's so many things on a label that people um, focus too much on. Yeah. And not enough on like the three things that actually matter. Yeah,
1: I agree. Um, And then lastly, if someone could change just one small thing, what would you say?
0: I mean, if you haven't started drinking more water, more water, more weight loss, more water, better skin, more more water, better clarity, health, digestion. I mean, literally, I want to be this spokesperson of water and vegetables all
1: day. I could not agree more. Here we are with that. That's an an easy one.
0: um, But if you're already working on that, because I feel like thankfully that's gotten definitely over the years, I've seen people like prioritizing more water, like the big jugs around, you know, like I feel like are becoming more of a staple in a carpool line uh, of moms, but definitely vegetables. I mean, so if it's not water first, then definitely if it's not veggies most, just veggies some.
1: Yeah. And we've gone through like a hundred different ways to even just like oh, think yeah. about preparing them. Didn't even scratch podcast. the surface. Yeah, that's like nothing. So <laughs> now is a good time to ask where people can find you so they can stock all your recipes. Yeah,
0: sure. Definitely on Instagram, my name, Alana Molstein, R.D. Um, sometimes people think it's Alana Um It's just registered dietitian. And um, on TikTok, I'm Nutrition Babe. I'm almost at 1.6 million, so help me get there. And um, I, you know, try to be mindset.com. My book is called You Can Drop It. It's on Amazon.
1: And yeah, amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow, so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sifhider. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday. So come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people. Learn and unlearn and have a lot of fun. See you next week.